double neuter. My theory is that he was taken away from from his litter mates early. Oh. Uh. Uh. Well, that's even sadder. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, that was real. Cuts <laughs> <laughs> that happen too often don't socialize perfectly and don't mm. know how to like restrain themselves. Like all cats will like, uh. play bite, but most of them will do very softly, and he doesn't. He isn't good at modulating between soft and actual bite. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's my my guess is that he was uh, badly socialized in terms of being taken away from his litter. Gosh. Love that butt oh, white thing he does on the floor too. <laughs> He's rationing. He does a super cute thing the last few days where I'm like lying on my bed and then he jumps up next to me and looks at the ground like really intently next to it, uh-huh. like facing away from me, and then just starts digging at it like he's trying to pull up treasure. <laughs> nice. It's fucking adorable. Oh, a special I, little guy. <clears throat> I do want to start our episode uh, <laughs> by, by finishing a conversation that we had earlier in the week, Aura, Uh-oh. that I don't think we oh. recorded. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't recall any conversation that we had this week. Well, so I do believe we talked about when I when I inevitably die alone from the coronavirus here in my apartment, whether my cat will eat me. Oh yeah. Uh, and you said that you you thought that cats would eat you, but dogs would not because yeah. dogs are loyal. Uh, scientific evidence suggests quite the opposite. Oh, it's the opposite. Dogs are very likely to eat you. Interesting. Like as soon as you die, apparently a dog will fucking jump on you and tear you limb from limb. Because they're scavengers, and that's what they do. If something's dead, then it's Oh, food. you know, that kind of makes sense. Cats see are that. hunters, so they're somewhat less likely to scavenge from your corpse. They will try and escape the apartment first. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but they will, they will probably eat you if there is no other choice, but they won't be happy about it. Sure. Whereas a they're dog... scavengery than dogs. See, I assumed it would be that. Is that in like... the context of you dying of the coronavirus? I think so. I think we were having that conversation at dinner. Yeah, well, Probably. I mean, we were having that conversation at a, in a crowded at bar. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Um, but, but I, uh, this... I, didn't, I didn't remember. Did we... Look, I used to, like, one of my conversations starting gimmicks when I managed movie theaters with the other with, with a bunch of teenagers when I was in my 20s was to be like, so that guy in Germany who, who paid to, who, who paid to, who agreed to be eaten by the cannibal on film, <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that? Is that immoral? <laughs> like, let's, let's think through the morality of, of choosing to be cannibalized while you're still alive. I'm uh so yeah that's that's a that's a light dinner conversation what, what for me you, yeah what what did you settle on on the morality of that out of curiosity I mean, if you yeah. want to be eaten that's fine yeah. I, mean, I I suspect if you're the it's family very libertarian of, of you well I suspect if you're the family <laughs> of the cannibal you should probably look into getting them help I don't think they're psychologically sound <laughs> yeah. but uh not not only that but like an out and proud cannibal proud enough that at least one other individual who happens to be in that very thin sliv yeah. very sliver Venn diagram of people that are cannibals and people that want to be eaten. Well, I mean, I agree with libertarians on the importance of consent. If that's what you're getting at, well, the uh, like, there's no violation of consent in that scenario. There's arguably somebody who isn't giving. Well, I mean, it, arguably it, both people, I suppose, aren't giving rational consent. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but that's um, more of a matter for their families. I don't think it's a matter of morality. Is all that I'm saying. Fair enough. Um, Wow, that's uh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, bro, you can eat me. I don't even care. That's yeah, okay. I've often said, if anybody, if any friends are listening, if we're ever in a plane together that wrecks and I die, go ahead, dig in. <laughs> I I have very large thighs, so I would recommend starting there. Yeah. Or this beach is full of crabs. We, you know, there's... are we supposed to wait till Josh dies first, or uh, can we just dig in? I don't I don't remember what he said on that episode. 
<laughs> me, me too. Me. You know, if, I don't think you can, but if I, I, I say that I want to be cremated, but yeah. honestly, when I die, what I want is for my body to be thrown in the woods. Yeah, you, you <laughs> hang on, I, Cody, just, Cody, he, animals he, this, he said fine. this twice on the show, like on recorded now, I just yeah. want to, like. Let, let nature, let nature take its course, man. You're, not you know, only are you going to complete, me, right? complete yeah. that type of circle of life, but you're also going to probably inspire like several small groups of children to to band together later in their adult <laughs> lives because of the thing that brought them together, which was <laughs> you in the woods. That would, be, that would be the, the secret <laughs> ideal, because like if it were to actually happen, I suppose it would have to be in somewhere designated for it. But what I really, really secretly like is to be placed somewhere where children regularly go, so that one day a standby a standby me scenario might happen yeah. based around my course. Oh, God, but I don't think people go outside to play anymore, so that's moot. Children mm, that's just true. network with each other. Through well, if devices. we can find some train tracks that are near apartment buildings, that's the inevitability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, listeners. Further <laughs> ado, a podcast where we talk about my weird fixation with death. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were we watching this week? Yeah, Maybe by the intro, intro conversation, it was something like Cannibal Holocaust. That that definitely seems on par, <laughs> right? Oh no, we watched a black and white talkie. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We watched the city that never sleeps, or city that never city sleeps, that never on. sleeps. Haley we also said the same stuff. thing, and I immediately like yelled, at, like jokingly, but I was like, "You fucking buffoon! Where are you reading that the?" <laughs> Like it clearly, and she immediately cracked up because she realized it says it doesn't say the city yeah. that never sleeps. And I told her I was like, I only did that because Aura barked at us when we did the same thing last week. I, I, uh, the only reason I know about this was because I was searching for this movie for goddamn ever on, like, and it, nothing was coming up, and I'm like. I'm like, I know it's on media. I know it's on, like, DVD, Blu-ray. Like, why is this not coming up when you search for the city that never sleeps? And it turns out the reason why is because there's no fucking the in the, in the name of the thing. So, uh, uh, I should introduce us. I'm Josh. It's, it was Aura just talking, and that was Cody talking at a different time. Oh, oh, great. Oh, man, I was going to be like, Josh, decaying corpse in your local playground. <laughs> he doesn't you do might, the fancy titles know, on this show. You might know me from my work in Rotting in Your Woods. You might know Cody from Peeking in Your Window. <laughs> and, and fair warning on the show, there's uh, there are swear words and there are spoilers. There are stark looks at the void. So <laughs> and, many of uh, those things are troublesome. You uh, might recognize Aura from a response email of, no, I will not give you an extension on a two-month-ago paper. <laughs> you might recognize Aura from the cover, cover of Cat Fancier magazine. I, but, but not that Cat Fancier magazine. <laughs> Meow! No, oh, hi, Biz. You're thinking Cat Fancy. This is Cat Fancier. <laughs> oh good lord if you want to hear any of this and I don't know why you would want to you could go to that podcast productions.fireside.fm there's more there I imagine mm-hmm. yeah so, we have a few yeah there's a couple up there I think <clears throat> the Facebook guy keeps forgetting to post them so I, I wouldn't be sure yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's me ladies and gentlemen um, <laughs> hey, uh, did you want to take uh, like two seconds to, to in, uh, have some brevity about uh, the world situation or did we just want to ignore that that's happening at all 
I mean, I don't think people listen to us for a hot take on the coronavirus. <laughs> well, no, uh, what I was suggesting... We can do that was... at the end when we talk about the things that we experienced this week that we recommend <laughs> to others, like social distancing. I would, I would, I would recommend crushing fear. <laughs> well, no, I, uh, the reason why I was saying it, uh, a lot of... <laughs> the late night shows Here's went... the little vibe killer. Yeah. Well, no, no, no I'm saying the, the late night shows went on hiatus this week. Um, and oh. I was I was talking to uh, Elizabeth about it, and I was like... Because she was like, oh, are you still going to go report record the podcast? And, like, I looked at her, like, for a moment, like, she was fucking ridiculous. Of course I'm going to go record the podcast. Why <laughs> wouldn't I? And then... And she, and she mentioned, you know, the late night shows had been on hiatus. Like, what, well, like... You know, people are not socializing right now. Mm. And, and you know, I said to her something to the effect of, well, you know, the virus isn't within 50 miles of us yet. Like, I mean, as far as I know, you know, we're still fine where we're mm. at. It's in Johnson County. Uh, 50 miles. It's 40 okay. miles. 50 <laughs> miles. Something. It doesn't math it's as hard. Realistically, it's somewhere in Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're sh- okay, fine. But, Maybe we shouldn't be recording the podcast. No. Uh, like, right. I feel my throat swelling up right now, you know? Like, is that... Um, well, A, we're all we, young for the definitions of this virus right. and in reasonable health. And we've already been... The other thing and that I thought about, to, too, is, yeah, we've already been in pretty consistent repeat contact over the last... Like, not just yeah. once a week, we, but more regularly than that. We hang out frequently enough that if one of us has it, then we all fucking have it, I'm sure. But, um... Plus, I mean, I'm... Of all of us, I'm probably the least risky. I fucking work from home. Yeah. I the people that I see are people that deliver me mail and food. You uh, yeah. Cody asked how you're how you're adjusting to work from home life, and uh, what did you say earlier? Uh, same way I have been for five years by gradually degenerating and wondering if anything is real. Yeah. No. Uh, which which um you know I laughed because at. I make those jokes when I'm not on air too. People. Yeah. Well, no, I, uh, well, I, I, I laughed because, um, you know, I teach at, I teach at colleges in real life, and, uh, they both have decided, no, you know, online classes, and I'm having, like, that exact same struggle at the moment, like, I'm trying to decide what's, what's real and what's important and things (laughs) like that, because, because, you know, effectively, uh, what's gonna happen the rest of the semester I think, and I'm not going to do this explicitly, but I think what a lot of sort of college, you know, teachers are doing, phoning it in, you know, yeah. like literally, um, yeah. and and it sucks for the students, but it, you know, uh, it sucks, you know, that that we have to be put into this position, but the, you know, this virus, you know, is dangerous, and and it's dangerous, you know, dangerous yeah. for populations, you know, one of the things that. You know, you have to kind of consider is you don't know the people in the room that you're teaching. Like the, you have no idea what their struggles are, what their situations are, and yeah. so um, you know, like we were, ta- you know, we were joking about uh, cannibal morality a little bit, but not terribly far removed from it is this same sort of morality with yeah. virus morality. You well, know, um, if we're going to dig into being real about it. I used to date a woman who was immunosuppressed because of medicine that she was on. Exactly, you and don't I, know the I people. Remember you're, I mean, you you at that time were perfectly reasonable, you know, looking, you know, and yeah, you kind of kind of being rained school, you know, um, <laughs> basically. Um, I remember That's... back. It was because I'm old. It was back when people were still doing like the zombie plan. Like, what's your zombie plan? And so uh, early in our relationship, yeah. I was like, "What's your zombie plan?" And she was like, "Dying because without my medicine, I'm." 
I'm just gonna die. So I don't really find these games very fun. I was, can't believe you dated a quest marker. <laughs> Ow, dude! That's so. Uh, no, it's something for you to do. Uh, it was. It was a learning moment. Yeah. Yeah. But but uh, you know, professors wouldn't have known your struggle necessarily with regards to that particular thing. Uh, my struggle was hers. Well, well I'm saying though, I, mean, if I have you some had, respiratory problems. If you had methods. gained the virus and taken it home, yeah. that would have caused you a problem. Yeah, fair enough. That's what I meant by struggle. In this You're saying case. that you don't think of my ex as human. <laughs> Quest marker. I think the way she treated you uh, was really <laughs> shitty, and I would question hu- her humanity a bit. The end. I don't think. I maybe I'll agree with the shittiness. I don't know that I'll agree with that. That makes her not. Yeah, human. well, I'm your best friend, and I can jump in front of that for you. There you okay. go. Fair enough. All right. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, and that's what I, I I wanted to say, uh, you know, like I said, I looked at my wife like she was ridiculous for a second, because I just don't do any of that other stuff, necessarily. Yeah, one way or the other, it's it's very, I mean, it's un, it's completely unavoidable now yeah. to talk about just, you know, all of daily life as we know it has been interrupted in at least some facet <laughs> or another. Mm-hmm. And I, I, mean, I can say that working from home podcasts are... Very important. Yeah, I have I have a, a text doc full of the podcasts I listen to on my work computer because I'd probably go nuts for that something to listen to. And or a good quicker, I suppose. <laughs> and a good uh, not to bridge it right now. We can we can still talk about this a little bit, but you know the the movie that we watch is uh, is like an early one of those movies where everything is connected in a way, and you don't really necessarily see that full picture <laughs> until it unfolds, and it. Kind of is, like, right now, like, you just, there's a lot of, oh, I really didn't think about that, mm-hmm. just in general, for the scenario and circumstances we are And, I mean, not in the sense of, like, holy shit, I didn't know Tommy was dating this, like, fucking mob guy's girlfriend. <laughs> like, I can't believe, that's crazy. But, you know, to a lesser extent, it is like, a, oh, yeah, that makes sense that the library would shut down because that's, you know, paper books that you can't clean getting passed forth to the entire population. You hear that, folks? That's a that's called a segue. The kids got chops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, if only we could have been recording the black and white joke earlier. That was just... You can still, I mean, you can still tell a version of it later. <laughs> oh, it's not the same. <laughs> this movie has no color. So do we want to, do you want to do the introduction on this, Aura? It's, uh... Uh, yeah, your movie. It's your okay. Well, it's your fave. I, I had mentioned uh, at, on the Christmas episode that this was one of my uh, favorite noir flicks. We, um, you know, as we were reading, uh, as we came up with the criminal, um, what was the other book we read last week? Damn it, Stray Bullets. Stray Bullets. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we came up with the criminal Stray Bullets angle, we sort of talked about how to you know, incorporate a further ado into it. And we sort of picked genre, basically. And mm-hmm. and I, you know, I said that I was, you know, I, I had already talked about this this movie on the podcast. It, we could do it for the podcast. Um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to throw it out there necessarily, though, because it's not, it's not our typical fare on, on <laughs> further ado. Um, I mean... Well, uh, by that, yeah. do you mean, like, a, a good or celebrated movie? Because that's not the typical fare for this well, show. Well, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> it, it's about 30 years older. It's about, right. you know, it's... It, 
Um, at at minimum, um, we did the Batman serials. We did do the Batman serials. Actually, you're right. Um, I've, I've never was, been. The, was that in a different universe or was that in this universe? It was in, it was in the previous universe. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, it's people, canon, folks. <laughs> yeah. Here's all you need to know about the it's the first '40s Batman serial, not the second one. Yeah. Uh, all you need to know about it really fucking racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like I you were surprised we, about racism. We had we had about an hour and a half conversation about <laughs> racial politics that episode, as I recall. Um. Like even for like being like okay, this is a film, a serial made during World War Two. You'll still be fucking shocked at the racism. Do you, do you remember if that was a Shane or a Kyle? Uh, I think that was a Kyle. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it was a Kyle. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a. Oh, serials were a hard watch. <laughs> like that's that's what we learned that that uh yeah. that episode. Serials um, are hard watching. Batman really fucking racist. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I, so I did. I, I was. I was. I just threw it out there as as an option, and uh, we sort of snagged on it. Um, as far as what um, any other introduction here goes, uh, I don't know anything about the production of this movie necessarily. Uh, I looked up uh, other things by uh, the director uh, Ayur. Do you know if that is that somebody you've heard of before? Not really. Yeah. I meant to look it up in my hour. My hour. A A U E R. He um the other things he has done before this were war movies and musicals. Uh, because Very I was like, interesting. Uh, yeah, I was like, I, oh, I'd love to watch another noir flick of his. And it doesn't seem like he did uh, at least any before this. I guess I didn't. Uh, I don't remember if it was after if he did any after it. But um, it's I. I started to see the war movie kind of come out in this movie. Less the musical. I mean, there's a little bit of musical stuff, but he doesn't lean on the, a, a particular musical number. If and and I'm about six months not fresh on this movie, so if if I'm wrong, I'm willing to admit it. But I don't recall there being sort of like an explicit musical number in here that, that like <laughs> moves really. any action along or anything there's, like that. There's at the at the club. There's yeah, there's singing, singing. There's not much. It's always yeah. background. Very. I mean, yeah. I don't that, think there's a particular singing number even that yeah. takes foreground. But but you can kind of see the war movie elements in this movie for sure. Yeah. Um. So so that that's kind of how I came to this movie. Um, oh, I guess I, I could also explain. Uh, one of the ways in which um, I first encountered it was actually uh, the uh, the tele uh, the television network movies uh, pl- used to play a Saturday night block of noir movies mm-hmm. where it would be three noir movies in a row, and usually like by the second one I was good. I'm like okay, I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily sit through the third one. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll re- remind me that later because yeah. I'll I'll talk about something along those lines. Absolutely. That... Uh, when I and so uh, this was one that would frequently be in rotation on on that particular uh, network, and then uh, Kansas City pulled their movies affiliate uh, from me. So uh, those uh, those people who might be listening who are Facebook friends with me know that I I will attempt on Sunday nights to watch a single noir flick and and talk about it a little bit every Sunday night. Well, you usually while, do. You have yep. kept it up. Yeah, while I eat Chinese food and read comic books with my bird, that's that's sort of what I do um, on Sunday nights as my as my decompression before the next week starts. Um, and so, bad at all. 
What's that? I said that doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty good time. Uh, Drax enjoys it. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, this is one that I I sort of cycle in, you know, once every ten or fifteen movies or so, just because I I've enjoyed it. You like it that, that much? That I can I can watch it and and it's it, like I said, I sort of read comic books while I do it. Sometimes stuff for this show, so. I, I have to, I I have to be able to you know focus in and out if I can. Would you say you're pretty good at like even picking up like sound cues? Like if you if it was just playing in like a TV, like in a grocery store, and you were walking by, you would be able to be like, oh, we're like, you know, twenty minutes in. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, no, I've so. seen this thing. I've probably seen this thing eight or ten times. So that's why when we were reading Vision, you kept insisting Vision was really just a dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you couldn't tell. From the from the window, like you know, is he man or is he is he sawdust and, and gears? <laughs> right? um, Featherless bipedal. Yeah. So that's how that's how I came across this movie was actually on TV and and um, uh, so so I ended up uh, having to purchase it when they like I said when they pulled the network affiliate. One of the things I was surprised by is that it doesn't actually have a any sort of commentary like I, I was sort of that, hoping yeah i was sort of hoping yeah, that the, it's very bare bones yeah well you mentioned i think one time that olive is pretty uh there, bare bonesy when they do their go ahead i'm sorry they're second tier yeah <laughs> i i mean the uh, I, you know when you're talking about uh classic movies you know criterion would be something top tier right this is i'd say criterion shout arrow and kino lorber for old films they're not yep. as good with newer films mm-hmm uh, like the newer film releases aren't as good. I mean, yeah, uh, they're top tier, and then because they'll always have like things like extras, or, commentaries, things yeah. like that. And then Olive, you said, like, I'm sorry. Companies like Olive and Vinegar Syndrome tend to produce more bare bones stuff and tend to get second to pick of like cult things. Like I have, uh, I've had a couple Olive ones. Uh, one of them we did for the show. I can't remember which one. Caveman, that yeah. shit ass movie. Uh, <laughs> also, I have I haven't watched it yet, but I have their edition of Wild in the Streets, which I've been meaning to watch forever. Um, this, you know, like Caveman, uh, this particular thing was remastered. Like, uh, you can, you can tell that they've yeah. done, done some digital work to, to fix a lot of the, sort of uh, that is, things. that is a weird thing that I actually don't, um, I don't hate at all if I watch like a, an older or black, especially something like this. If I watch this on like my grandparents' rabbit ear TV with like a, a like an awful non-existent aspect ratio and like the... The whites of their faces blurred in with the background. That's you. That's like not stuff that I hate because so much of the cartoons that I watch on VHS oh, sure. tapes are that same like grainy, weird, bad texture to it. But especially when the when the movie or the piece is still like interesting or whatever, it's still engaging, squinting I, a little bit. But you know, and I love black and white films, so I really like the, I really like the restoration. It mm. makes it. A crisp black and white film is really beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Um, and this one had some odd... Well, as we get into plot, maybe I'll... Well, uh, there was some... In particular, the scene on the back. Yeah. It was extraordinarily difficult, I imagine, for them to to, to sort of, uh, you know, uh, recontact or uh, Any... uh, restore because of the... Uh, because of the, the, the lighting in it to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... 
Anything that All is fucking cuts to the third rail. I was like, fucking, I get it. There's a third <laughs> <rail>. <laughs> anytime they're in a, a car, Jesus. those those cuts are always really great. Like a very obviously like very very static car with like a moving background, and then all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> then they're pulling, like, very clearly in a moving car pulling up yep. on, like, a curb. I always think it's so funny how they have, like, both of them, and obviously it's a it's a safety thing for actors and while you're filming and camera, like, back in, at this point in time, this is after Casablanca, it's, like, 53? 53. 53. Um, it's, uh, like, <laughs> just the idea that you have, like, three people hanging on the side of a car, like, while it's going at any speed yeah. is still, like pretty insane and it's crazy that we what can was, do that now what was i watching the other day i was watching a a different uh last sunday's movie what was last sunday's movie i watched uh caveman no, <laughs> no uh, you're sunday night noir, <laughs> sunday night noir. oh china girl have you ever seen china girl <laughs> no i have not not there on that a... title. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've heard the song by the way <laughs> yes and yes um <laughs> exactly what you both are thinking but um the thing about this that was uh, interesting was there's this whole scene because he's a combat photographer mm. and his you know his job is combat photographer. I didn't maybe I didn't know this about combat photographers. This didn't seem like it was an odd thing for him to do. He was on the wing of the airplane while <laughs> combat is happening and like he's using his camera while not even in the <laughs> cockpit. He's just like you know like World War One or two. Oh, World War Two. Just say I thought in World War One that would happen, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe it. No, I think it was. I think it was supposed to be World War Two. I mean, it would have been biplanes if it was one. So yeah, mm-hmm. if it wasn't a biplane. No, no, it was single it was wing. Two. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Like watching these scenes with him on the airplane wing, and I was like, oh. There's, I would not accept that job. There's so many things that I think in that same sense of, especially photography, that we we definitely take for granted because you're just like, oh, you know, whatever, high-resolution stock photo, blah, blah, blah. But, like, those nature documentaries are, like, sitting full, like, belly on the dirt for, like, three hours before they even start, and that's just to, like, re- like be part of the environment for all the other animals and uh and motorcycles around yeah and the motorcycles around <laughs> yeah and nature photographers photographers lie on the ground for hours and it's just so they can get hard <laughs> oh, wow. nothing else works yeah it's sad really <laughs> but so um so, so this movie uh um you know uh not by a terribly famous director uh i don't think anybody who starred in this movie uh they might be like thing if you watch old tv shows you might have recognized some of these people yeah. but i they aren't terribly there's, famous people either there's only gig young i was the only person I have in time placing him. i'm just more of a fan of, of his father giggle yeah there it is uh, <laughs> uh mala powers uh william talman edward arnold uh well chill Joel. wills i definitely like recognize from some other things not not anything yeah. again that i can place but it's like the voice and the face and the look is very distinct but he like so is that character archetype too of the like oh you sound like you're a you're a crazy young buck going a little off the rails maybe yeah uh... okay so uh i'm gonna get something <laughs> off my chest about this movie right now uh the subtlety of that particular character <laughs> what subtlety yeah uh was is something i i do not care for about this movie 
had they, uh, and I'm wondering if it would have been better had they edited that that voiceover <clears throat> or that character mm, out entirely. The, the intro. I'm say there's not a ton of subtlety in this movie in general. <laughs> sure. It like him being also like the voiceover guy at the beginning, and then you find out he's like the new partner, like very early in the movie too. Uh, almost reminded me if you cut like two hours out of uh, It's a Wonderful Life and it's yep. like, huh, what are we talking? Oh, I'm Clarence, your angel. <laughs> like, yes, it just jumps exactly. right in. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't want the ending with that character. Yeah. Like, oh. Fuck that. Did you want to, <laughs> well, to, to move back for a second about sure. the quality of the restoration, though, I did yeah. want to say the final shot of this film is very ugly and they need to do it better. <laughs> yeah. The, the cityscape scene? Uh, no, it's the cut to, it's like out a window and it's the cop and the chick walking down a street, but it looks so like a matte painting. It's, yeah. It could not, it, it looks less realistic than this island earth. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like people running on the, the planet Melta I, or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, I guess that was the final shot. I thought the final shot was the cityscape scene of the sun coming up or That's, whatever, but maybe. It's them walking and yeah. someone saying, Joe, Joe's coming home or something. Joe's yeah. home now or. Yeah. I think the narrator does some stupid shit. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Should have done uh, it in the previous scene. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm i betting there's some code things there. But uh, you know, I'm really... Possibly, because it can sorry. establish a relationship more. Well, because one of the hinge points of this movie is that this, this guy is leaving his wife and uh, cheating on her with this other, you know, with this other character. Um, and... They call them floozies. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I wondered if the code had, had, you know, basically enforced that that last, you know, that last little five seconds be on, tacked on there with the idea of making it, again, not subtle, that, like... Yeah, he's returning to his wife. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't do other than that. Uh, and talking about subtlety, his pregnant wife. <laughs> As I recall, <laughs> right? Um... But oh, you were gonna say Cody? Well, oh, I, I no, no, I'm not anything like super in particular, but just uh, <laughs> like I already lost my chain of thought. Like just thinking about like my own impression of this movie and like the things that work and the things that don't, and the uh, like. I guess we can go ahead and get into maybe our own like individual stuff before we talk about like the plot <laughs> overall, or do you think we should do that after? I think it would be good to walk through the plot at this point okay, before yeah. I doesn't mind doing that, just because... Uh, oh, shit, you want me I mean, to do it. I mean... <laughs> if I do it, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, so the movie starts, and it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Johnny's worst day of his life is the opening... Yes. Yep. Uh, set in Chicago. Yep. City set, of big soul shoulders. Set, uh, yes. Um, I, Dumbest uh, nickname for a city ever. <laughs> Set it uh, set explicitly in Chicago because they. You know those assholes sure put spaghetti in their chili. Not not the Chicago's. Is that not that's Chicago? Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati, man. That yeah, Cincinnati, yeah thing. but but I will Time, say 30, 37 times stamp. I'm gonna cut it. Don't, don't make don't cut to make yourself look good. <laughs> you that's, God, I don't that is shit. no. I'm I just kidding. Uh, it was all for the joke. Yeah, no. Cincinnati put uh, put spaghetti in their chili, and that. Uh, I have had it because I spent some time in Ohio, and it's not bad, but it is weird. <laughs> um, Sorry to derail there. Well, is it is it chili then, or is it spaghetti sauce? It was you know, a trivia question doing? the other day, and <laughs> yeah. I also was like, yeah, I don't know about a bolognese at that yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, oh, who's a fancy boy now? 
Um, Only because my girlfriend is a good cook. <laughs> so, um, it's set explicitly in Chicago, and the reason you know this is because they use street names and, and locations and things like that. Uh, from, you know, um, I think... And they're you know, always going to watch Cubs games. Well, yeah, well, if you want... <laughs> Talking about I mean, the Bears. Again, if you want to talk about things like uh, interesting things about productions at this time, that is a thing that... Because this... In my opinion, uh, and I, without checking the years, I'm guessing this is a response to the Naked City, which is a uh, which is another film noir that is set explicitly in New York, um, and so uh, uh, I think I think that that's a little bit might be what's happening here is that you have the Chicago New York rivalry, of course, happening in these yeah. noir flicks. And probably illustrated by different uh, movie houses. Wow, Naked City was 48. Yeah. Way later than I thought it would be. When was this? Uh, it's 53. 53. Um, so this is in that vein if you've ever seen Naked City as well. So this is the, you know, they like I said, they say, I mean, I, I think even the voiceover at the beginning sort of betrays a little bit of that because that's how the Naked City starts. Uh, ten thousand. Uh, there are ten thousand stories in the Naked City. This is one of them. You know. Um, so this is the second noir cycle. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe the original noir cycle is the late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Then yes. Um, but this is um, as I as me and Cody talked a little bit about it yesterday. Uh, you know everything that goes on here is. Um, you know, uh, exactly what you'd expect noir films to be. <laughs> no, um, I'm not saying it isn't, I'm just saying. Yeah, no. no um, yeah. Well, it, it's not It's not terribly innovative. And it's not going to surprise... Like, it's, yeah. it, it'll surprise you exactly when you expect it to give you a twist. Yes. I think that's what... I think that's what surprised me about it, as far as it being your favorite, is that... You know, I'll go ahead and review. Uh, it's, it's explicitly it formula, fine, but it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't think it was a very exceptional. No, it's it's. Uh, I'll tell you why I enjoy it in my in my tail end of it. It has um, some funny clumsiness in his morals with the guy. Is he a man or a machine? Oh man, I'm really well. There's that <laughs> stuff. Like Hang on, let, let me get to that. Okay, <laughs> so um, so basically, uh, you know, as Cody said, there there are some interconnected characters here. The first guy you're dealing with is Johnny. He's a cop on the beat, and he's sort of disaffected by his job, disaffected by his marriage, and he's he. Sometime prior to the movie starting, he made the decision that today is going to be his last day on the job. He, he you know, as the movie unfolds, you find out he's going to help pull like some heist, and this is his getaway ticket to get out of town. Um, and he's gonna with he's gonna take with him his stripper girlfriend. Um, and and just be done with it. But well, you understood as a stripper, but in the context okay. of the film, she just yeah. singer. <laughs> a singer. That, I, yeah. I thought that Sorry. was really funny, just, too. Just like on a lot of the, the classic westerns, you know, people always talk about the hooker with the heart of gold in those movies. They aren't hookers. They can't explicitly be hookers. Yeah. They're just women of ill repute. And yeah. why they have an ill repute isn't ever really said. Um, well, and one of the things uh, that, by the way, bothers me about the cover of this movie is that it's called The Flamingo Club 
on the cover, <laughs> but the actual yeah. name of the club is Silver Frolics in the movie. <laughs> um, and every every time I see the cover, I'm like, like I have a moment where the you know the record skips a, like a, Silver, a beat for a second. Silver Frolics is such a grandpa porn name. But, but goddamn, do I love the name <laughs> of that club. I'm going down to the Silver Frolics to look at the fillies. <laughs> <laughs> I might get to see a little bit of ankle tonight. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll watch a stag loop. <laughs> if you wanted to, uh, to be derogatory to women in those days, you could just call him a songbird. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to be derogatory towards women in those days, it was totally okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the other part, too. Dame was the... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, so he, you know, he has this, uh, you know, crisis of conscience, basically. I, I guess I couldn't even call it that, because he doesn't have a problem with what's going on. <laughs> um, but you, as the viewer, like, you know, start start to, like, sort of see this unfold, and our hero is not sort of all he's cracked up to be. He's imperfect. Um, you also find out uh, over the course of the first few minutes that his dad is on the force and has the same name as him, which becomes uh, an important plot point, uh, you know, sort of mid-movie. Um... And, and his dad is proud of him being a cop and proud of his marriage and things like that. So he, you know, he's uh, uh, having, again, this moment where he did all of, you can tell, like, what happened, you know. He sort of followed the trajectory he was told to follow, mm-hmm. and he's not happy in it. Yeah, he's, he's becoming a crooked cop. Yeah. Yep. Um, then you meet uh, a lawyer and his girlfriend, uh, and they uh, are... Uh, oh, I don't know how to describe it. They are insipid from the jump, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, they're pretty terrible. In but um, I was I read a paper about this once, and I'm I'm foggy about the I'm foggy about the details. So don't don't mind my half critique here. That this guy is supposed to represent rich America, like in a mm. Marxist sort of idea that like. He's, he's sort of above it all and everybody else is sort of his playthings mm-hmm. which is which is how this um, how this heist kind of plays out because this lawyer is involved in the in the heist uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. that Johnny's gonna pull um, uh, you say heist but it's more like a, it's, it's a kidnapping it's like a, yeah, yeah. A transportation is like the way that it's like because they want to, is it the lawyer guy at this yeah. point? The lawyer guy needs somebody else to be tried in a different state. Yeah, technically, He's, I think he wants is, to get rid of one of his corrupt underlings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the corrupt underling is wanted for murder in another jurisdiction. So what he's trying to do is be like, just uh, drop this in Indiana. Yeah, you know, just drop this guy across the border in Indiana, the specific location. The cops there will pick him up and try him for murder. Which is a thing that kind of reminds me explicitly about Criminal when we read uh, like that last week of just like the oh like you know it's no big deal like y- you do this shit all the time like whatever it's it's something simple. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a, actually that's a great point. Uh, that does match up to criminal in some ways, and that this is fair. This is supposed to be a very simple thing that mm-hmm. like all Johnny needs to do basically pack up his shit, grab his girlfriend, and leave town. Yeah. it's what he was going to do anyway. And the first know. twenty or thirty minutes feel, or forty five, I guess. I guess the first half of the movie feels like the last half of a different movie, but now you get to see how you know, over the rainbow actually goes or into the sunset or whatever. Uh, when you, then you start to fade to the map painting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you start to see, um, Johnny visit this club and see his girlfriend like a couple times over the course of the, the first few scenes. Um, you know, just for, just to, you know, 
are you still going? Are we still on? You know, like this sort of thing. He um, even tells some gal down at the Silver Frolic. He yep. even tells the lawyer guy, he's like, what, are, what do I need to do if I need to get in contact with you? And he's like, well, don't don't fucking call my job. Uh, call my girlfriend's club. I'm there all the time. Exactly. <laughs> like, literally is the oh, line. Oh, uh, and I, I did skip the introduction of the... Um, I'm just going to say, since we've already dodged around it, the Guardian Angel character. Yeah. <laughs> which um, is... In disguise as Johnny's the, new partner, his old partner's out sick for some reason. Yeah. The, the Goliath of this film. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Johnny. <laughs> God. I'm, oh my God, that's so great. And let me tell you, uh, you know, like I said, if you can look past the non-subtlety of that <laughs> of the voiceover and that character, I think this is a much better movie. I it's it's um, funny because I think that's the thing that like honestly like amps it for me is like yeah. how the rest of the movie is like a little bit different and innovative but you know exactly like we said it doesn't you know I, this is exactly what i expect a noir movie to be but he plays his beat so like it's the character he was literally born and bred to play it's it's so authentic it feels bullshit but okay, you know it's, it's like yeah. but you know this character is like genuine about like you know, you're young and you know, shit sucks basically, but like don't worry, you'll soften a little bit and it with age or whatever, maturity. Yeah, like that character and the and the window guy who we'll get to shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I enjoy them in the way that I enjoy original Star Trek. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like Super clumsy, yeah. You, kind you, of adorable way. It's like they're like, the op- oh my god, the planet's being run by a Nazi computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the opposite of like that a harbinger character where it's like, oh, I, this guy is literally just here to like warn you that fucking Jason is going to kill all of you at the camp. Yeah, yeah. like this. This dude is just here to be like, I don't know, Johnny. You you were up in that fucking hotel room for like twenty minutes. Did you get? He literally says something like, "Did you get everything taken care of that you need to?" Yeah. He just sits in the car. <laughs> they don't even roll the window down for the I, guy. I don't. I don't remember Johnny. And this is my not again. I haven't seen this movie in about six months. But I don't think Johnny and the uh, partner do any cop stuff over the course of the movie. I'm trying. Uh, they bust up a crap scam. Oh, that's right. The crap scam. Remember that deliver yes. a baby. That's not oh, really. Oh, they deliver the baby. The, ba- the uh, unsubtle delivering of the baby. <laughs> right. I, I, I forgot about that. Um, they redistribute the wealth for, in the craps game. I yeah. guess that's the first. Like, see, it's not all bad. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. But beyond that, there isn't. It's mostly just like those two cops going along while Johnny runs his errands for the night. Yeah, <laughs> those scenes have little to nothing to do with the movie. The yeah. car scenes are the worst too, because it's just like the 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 cop radio constantly chiming in about all these different things that are happening, and then it's just the two characters going back and forth, being like, "Oh man, I'm young. Look at that. That's another scumbag." And the other guy being like, "You don't know that." And Johnny all Rorschachting, and the other guy trying to be like, "Yeah, it's not so bad." Yeah, and I'm just like, "Can we cut to the other cars? Because there's like a robbery." Let me uh, see what that's about. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, then one over one of his visits to uh, his his uh, girlfriend at the club, you're introduced <laughs> to the, uh, in my opinion, one of the most interesting characters in the film, which is the the uh, the the character who lives in the window. Basically, <laughs> yeah. he's a he's a. Mecha- 
He's a faux mechanical man who, like, the the movie... Like, play, he like is this, in the rain. He, oh this God. old man's strip club, for some reason, has a window up front with a guy doing the robot. And, it, and an announcer constantly talking about, Is he a man or is he a machine? Yeah. <laughs> Looks, oh, like, looks because, like a man, bud. Well, I know what a robot looks like. This is the 1950s. What would you do if you rolled up to a strip club and there was a dude in fucking silver face paint being like... Uh. <laughs> uh, for me, a lot of what drives you know the noirness of this home is that character because of what happens to him. So, the <laughs> action of the movie... He's also very unsubtle. <laughs> right. Uh, there are... There's only a little bit of subtlety to this movie. Most of it is laid on pretty thick. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, um, the action kicks in now, like, the, the you know, uh, but what happens is it's a, um, uh, a, a, uh, mistaken identity movie, right? Mm. It, this is, this is, if you want to talk about classic noir sort of tropes, uh, it ends up that the guy, the 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 guy who Johnny's supposed to abscond with, tries to go with his dad, who is on a call just coincidentally at the same place they were supposed to meet up. Yeah. Um, I don't. Re- what was the what was what was Johnny's dad there for? I don't recall. But they they they're trying to get Johnny. And they they do it on the radio. Johnny's like That's not right. there, and so the dad just like happens to hear it, and he just assumes it's for him because it's his full name. Yeah, because it's just junior and senior. So I I think he goes thinking he is like responding to a disturbance call, but it's it's just supposed to be the signal for Johnny. But Johnny already knows, or young Johnny yeah. already knows. John and so Kelly. He en- so he ends up on this thing, and then they figure it out, and. They end up shooting him, shooting the dad. Uh, then young Johnny shows up on the scene to, to have the tearful moment with his dad, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is sort of now where Johnny does have the crisis of conscience, you know? Like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Go on. We should mention here that the mechanical guy uh, takes takes part in the film because he's a, the rival for, for the... Yep. Not a stripper's affections, although... I don't know. She doesn't really seem to like him very much. You probably need well, to get a clue. Well, he's the um, he's the he's era. the guy who's more like he's Johnny's the, the safe guy. Uh, the Which is the funny. mechanical man is sort of the the more suited. Well, you know? I think in a way Johnny's the bad boy, and uh, and the and the That's mechanical true. guy is because he he's 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 the simple arty guy. He's yeah. the and he's already at her place of work so yeah. she wouldn't have to leave anywhere to be with him just like Johnny wouldn't have to leave anywhere to stay with his wife but that's because, not fun because one of the movie? things that you mentioned when we talked when we talked briefly the other day and I said what'd you think of the movie you're like well one of the things I noticed is the city chews you out right and I, <laughs> yeah. and I got to thinking about this a little bit while after you said that and I was like I was like that's what this like 
if you want to talk about what all of these characters are responding to, it's the city chewing them out in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you have the mechanical man who is an artsy guy who is not being responded to for his art, so he has to take this crap job. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the plot points of this, uh, one of this is that, like, he wants to go on tour. He wants to take his and uh, his his show and hers on the road and start like doing more comedic bits or something mm. uh, or, or uh, vaudevillian sort of things. Um, Johnny is you know being chewed out by you know what he feels is like you know being restrained and not you know mm. fulfilling his, his his potential. Right, um, being forced to be this mediator when he thought it was going to be like a hero like gig basically. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, I just realized one of the things this film reminded me of is the Fellini film La Strada, which came out in '54. So I don't know if there's any influence on it, uh, where it's this strong man who's taking care of this uh, kind of naive and waifish girl who falls in love with this uh, acrobat, and it all ends poorly. And it yeah. kind of reminds me of that that character Gelsonia, the, the 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 girl in that, or that, or the fool, the character that she falls in love with. Sure, like just sort of more of a but. It, they're, they're sort of like fun and he, this guy like what, what's interesting to me about the, the mechanical man is that he's really fucking dour mm. despite his plan to go on tour with this comedy act with a twist that he's the nagging husband instead of the nagging wife yeah <laughs> yeah real fucking classy material but, <laughs> well, you know the 1950s I don't know, we would have played yeah <laughs> Oh, go on, I'm sorry, Cody. Oh, well, I was, uh, you know, on, on that subject, in my head, you know, we, we had the conversation about it at work, and then I started thinking a little bit more about it, because not not a one-to-one comparison, but, like, my one of my favorite black-and-white movies is Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned sure. to Love the Bomb, which is a much later in just history film but also, I think I feel like at that point in time is already doing this like satire job of playing upon these other things that have already existed, and also that's a comedy, and this is very much like a, a drama type of thing. So I tried to dial back, and one of my other favorite movies is Seventh Seal, like the black and white one. Fascinating choice. Go on. <laughs> I, I like that movie a lot, and that was the the first where I was like. Oh, okay, like if somebody else, you know, watched this movie and you were just like, oh, this is what black and white foreign movies are, then like, yeah, it hits a bunch of like stereotypical check marks. That's because like it's not like there was a bunch of other stuff at that point in time. Like if you're doing your City That Never Sleeps movie or noir, like, yeah, the cop that doesn't want to do the job anymore, like cro- crooked cop, like bad lawyer character. Oh my god, my dad died. The yeah. third rail, the third rail. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. Like you're just hitting these beats because it's almost. It's not even that it's expected. It's like the framework for that whole narrative. Yeah, genre. Reminds me of Sunrise from the late twenties. The like the perfect silent films. It's all in one night, and it's about this sort of redemptive arc. Try and fucking out art school me. I got black and white films coming out my ass. I got those too. That's it. I'm made of black and white films, motherfucker. I've seen quite a few. Um, <laughs> Honestly, you've probably seen more than me at this point with as many noir films as you're watching. Yeah, well, the... I've seen Seventh uh, Seal and Doctor Strangelove, and now the city that never sleeps. Excuse well, me, city that never sleeps. You never saw Clarks? Fuck. Five. Uh, um, well, uh, you know, uh, 
the uh, the pre-code ones too are the other side project I'm working on simultaneously. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, in, in fairness to myself, I did teach. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> pre pre-war film. So, uh, well, a lot of my insights in these movies have to do with audio commentaries, of which this movie didn't have any. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so what ends up happening is is uh, you know the the action starts to take hold now. Uh, the action bit of this movie. So the talky bits are, are largely over. Um, Johnny has to... I, I don't remember under what circumstance, but Johnny has to go back to the hotel with the lawyer people uh, to try and, like, I guess, undo the knot he's tied himself into. Mm-hmm. Um, but that goes poorly, and s- someone gets shot in the street, right? Is that what happens next? Um, because the mechanical no. man witnesses the crime. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it, it's somebody getting shot. I don't remember who got shot. The, it, uh, I I forget exactly how it goes it's down, but it's of the it's the partner of the dad. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Somebody okay. gets shot, and then the, the mechanical man cries, and then the yes. other guy realizes well, that the it's mechanical not... man. Hang on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, yes. my bad. My bad. I'm, me- jump, I'm jumping. The mechanical the man is stuck in the window, and this is <laughs> yeah, the, like I this when I described this on the Christmas show. Uh, this was my favorite bit of this movie, where he's stuck in the window, w- having witnessed this crime, but they don't. You know, Heaven. you kind of you kind of have to like let the movie have it a little bit. Right. But they yeah. don't know that he's not a guy. They're like, is he a robot or is he a man? Yeah, they genuinely seem confused about it. Which, be- and come on, <laughs> yeah, we we as a contemporary audience, yeah, of there's the suspension of disbelief. For- back then, I'd be like, they don't have fucking robots. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. that's a guy. Look at his eyes. Yeah. Well, but that yeah, you know, okay. if it is a robot, fucking shoot him to be safe. <laughs> but, well, that's the problem, though, is they You're can't go to robot shoot him. Hell? They can't shoot him because then that would draw more attention to their position, which is in that uh, abandoned building yeah. across the street from the from the Grandpa Strip Club. If they'd um, <laughs> done it earlier, it would have gone a better for them. Yeah. Um. So. So. Yeah. They have this like moment of tension where the robot man can't leave the window, having witnessed this crime, uh, and he's stuck there. And there's a discussion with the criminals, like. Did did he? There were no witnesses, right? And there were, you know, they look out and they're like, no, nobody was out there. Like, you know, we we got away with this one scot free. And then, you know, she notices or he notices, oh crap! Like the mechanical man. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the mechanical man like goes backstage to where the cop is talking with the the girl that that he likes, and he's all like, I'll, you know, fuck it, I don't give a shit. I'll stand out front and be a bait. Yeah. And uh, then you can catch this asshole. Which, which I thought would like attract you as uh, you know. In I liked it, but it's a bit overdone, man. It's just it's yeah, very modern. It's it's <laughs> yeah. that uh, I'm the third wheel. All you know. <laughs> but God, like think about that position that that guy's in, though. And, and to me, like I said, this is. Someone has to stay off the train to push the button for the train to go. Yeah, I mean, but it's so it's such a he's he's such a fascinating character, being a mechanical man, and also being stuck in this like Mm. oh it's it's good. Uh, Anyway, the uh, glass cage thing, like you you know, none of this was anything that you had any part of. All you do is flirt with the person at work, like, and then at the end of the night, you're like, all right, well. I guess I'm dying for. Her. Yep. 
<laughs> and then he doesn't even go with that girl. No. Well, okay. So, <laughs> so he gets shot at, and in getting shot at, the the cops were allowed to, or were at this point now able to to figure, figure out. out the yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you need me? To- no, I'm going to come back to it in a second, but I have to. I received a text message from someone at work. Oh, okay. So I need to respond to that. But I want to circle back to when they're shooting at the guy. Sure. Because I'm not clear. Did they kill the guy? No. Like right before it, like he the, ducked at the last the, second. The stripper girlfriend comes to the window and she's all like, "I choose art over darkness." <laughs> uh, basically. Yeah. She, oh God. Yeah. No. There's that scene. Oh man, I for, I forgot about that one where the girlfriend finally is like. No, you're right. I shouldn't like break up this family. I shouldn't like get involved in this, you know, in this other endeavor. Like, me and you should go together and 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 uh, you know choose art over darkness, like you said. But if you if you think we're maybe taking liberties with our hyperbole of the way that these characters talk, when you when you look up on IMDb, there's only nine quotes, and the first quote is from. Sally Angelface Connors, who is this stripper singer character that we're talking about, and uh, her amazingly hilarious and on-brand line is: "When I first came to this town, I was going to be, oh, there were a lot of things I was going to do, become famous, but Chicago's the big melting pot, and I got melted, but good." <laughs> yeah, God, that line. It's just—it's so funny. Everybody, everybody needs a paragraph to say their sentence. Yeah, like. <laughs> Bojack Horseman this season with the fucking reporters. Everyone's talking like that. Yeah. Which is, I, mean, I want to be clear, not a bad thing. I fucking oh. love people talking in old old school city dweller <laughs> voice. Yeah. With the perfect movie diction. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of, that, that, that rat fucking, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. it's just. Rat a delivery. You know that it's all context clues that is telling you what the fuck okay. they're even saying. I came to Chicago with a big melting pot and I got melted instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, no. It's, it's a cousin. do. You have to it's a cousin of that big, saying. like, what will happen next time? Uh. <laughs> Old movie voices are the best. And. No relation to how human beings ever speak to each other, ever. But. <laughs> yeah, that dame's a real whiz-bang, ain't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, did you have something you wanted to run back to for a second, or did you catch Oh, I just piece? wanted to make sure that we caught the scene with the... Yes. Yeah. yeah. With the, the art over... She basically does just say, I choose I choose art and life over all of uh-huh. this. The badness and the whatever. I want to go on your tour with you. So and I think it's funny that you'll be the nagging one. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when the, he cries. And I'm like, I, um, and I'm like, man, I need a I need a lady who laughs at my fucking stupid joke concepts, right? Uh, okay, so the the criminals do decide he's a man at that point. Shoot at him. Uh, he does not get hit. Um, no one should duck. die like a freak in a window. <laughs> that's that's her line. Do freaks yeah. die in windows frequently? <laughs> like, is that a thing? I mean, I get that Chicago was a bit rough sometimes, but like, did they actually have Chicago like deformed people in windows just dying all over the place? Um, like, you're walking into the Walgreens and in the window, there's like a fucking conehead just popping <laughs> at the mouth and shaking. Like, it's literally that's just sounds like a page taken straight out of the goon. Like, that's exactly how the goon's town looks. That is. That is. I was just describing the goon. Um, <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> 
so the the gunshot gives away the criminal's position, and a chase ensues. Uh, uh, the the chase uh, goes on in the situation where uh, like the police are trying to run down the corrupt uh, lawyer who is just ahead of them a little bit. Um, at some point, like it's like they call they like Johnny gets involved, and he's sort of the lead man on this. Um, they don't, but they, because of the dark, and this is where I said it was hard to, uh, hard for the, you know, them to restore it, I imagine. Because of the dark, they don't know who's up there or who's who or something. And he has to literally take off his badge in an unsubtle moment and throw it down and, you know, not be a cop when he commits what happened, you know, the murder that happens next, basically. When he's he's chasing the guy and then we cut to the third rail and he's yep. chasing the guy and then we cut to the third rail and he's chasing the guy <laughs> and then we cut to the third rail. And here's here's the end, here's the, the surprise twist. He throws him into the third rail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's that like it's the two nights of those cuts could have been out, you know. Yeah. It's, it's the two nights watching the the uh, the one python like running up, and they're just like eating the onion raw. That he comes up and stabs him. One of them, and the other one goes, "Hey, <laughs> yes." Uh, and uh, and then Johnny like has this has this moment where he you know. Rid- gains redemption he you know he decides he's gonna stay you know he's 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 he does good he the the boss is like we're real broken up about your dad by the way you dropped your badge he grabs (laughs) the badge and he's like yeah i need to keep this on and he clips it on yeah and then and then uh then he talks about how his dad was only five days from retirement yeah (laughs) he talks about how yeah. It's the thin line against the chaos. And... You're a good cop, Johnny. Here is your what is it? Here's your Gibson back. Yeah. Um, and he decides to go home. So there you go. Like that's yeah. That's city that never sleeps in a nutshell. Oh, we I know we miss some stuff over the course of that, but there are you know. The movie missed some. I wanted more resolution on the fucking mechanical man and the fucking girl. Yeah. Because they're very important to the plot. Or at least she is very important to the plot at one point. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I guess it, she just it would have been awkward. It wouldn't it have been awkward in a filmmaking way to like in the middle of that action sequence, then cut back and just be like, and here's what they're up to now. <laughs> you know, and obviously, but they could do yeah. a cutaway at the end where they're like, you know. Talking at a, at a sure. cafe about their new act, or getting on a bus to go tour, or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they—I mean—they abandon her. Uh, both of those two characters at the chase. It you could have done something like she like you see the rest of the people running off, and then for a brief moment it cuts back, and she ch- is like checking on him to make sure he's okay, and then he like looks up at her, and they just make prolonged eye contact and it goes back and forth between the two of their faces like three times and then that would be the way that you would know oh okay sure. this is resolved now they're in love whatever and yeah. you can make room for me cutting out some of those fucking POVs of the third ray <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree that, I know you yeah. <laughs> I just like harping on it a little uh, again uh, you know this is my favorite but I also understand it's not a perfect movie <laughs> um, uh <laughs> But I, so you said something earlier about how like in, in in a noir marathon you probably maybe wouldn't watch the third one. Yeah, I was thinking about the comparison for me would be like 
I love Godzilla and kaiju movies, but somewhere around the the maybe the halfway point of the second one is where you start checking your phone a little bit more often yep. and stuff. It's like you know exactly what you're here for, and you know they're going to talk for about five more minutes. So yeah. let's you know fucking casual. I used to go to the Godzilla movie festival at Washburn where they do like four or five in a row. Like that is that is a a bold your Godzilla medals on the, in the mail. <laughs> The um, no, I uh, <laughs> you, I, I think you just sort of you fill up at a certain you know like you nah, know. I know I, I really I have more capacity for look I can watch a lot of movies in a row. That's the that's the thing. That was it was weird when you installed that colostomy bag so that you could like not <laughs> watch even have to movies. get up. Um, when I was a kid and my mother would want to know what I want to do on my birthday, what I want to do is watch movies all day. So we'd go see like three movies. Yeah, you still do a double feature or a triple feature do on your birthdays, double. don't you? Yeah, yeah, at least a double off in a movie in the evening. That's yeah. pretty good. I watch movies all, like on a day off if I feel like it. I'll watch like five or six movies. Um, mm-hmm. And and you spend many holidays doing this. Like as I recall, Halloween is your horror movie fest. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, when, I, when I take my weeks off, when I do a staycation, I watch a lot of movies to catch up. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I wasn't an outdoors kid, but I was more <laughs> of a... I, I, I do get stir-crazy, which is, again, talking about coronavirus for a moment. I have no idea how I'm going to deal with it if we if we go into full lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, You'll have a lot more problem with it than I will. <laughs> I do, 100%. Like, yeah. I, I, I climb the walls after, uh, you know, after six, eight hours, like, As, let alone six or eight days. As numerous people have pointed out for me, I am basically already already in coronavirus quarantine. Yeah, I just I could maybe have a little more toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I had well, a little lead well, on that. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have an unopened oh, okay. uh, six pack. I wish yeah. I had more. Yeah. I'm really surprised by the amount of canned toilet paper that you have. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially when they're used, it's just really hard to can it. <laughs> I, vomit keeps have rising. You, when you're like. So I already breached away from the movie, but have you guys seen the little, like, cartoon infographics that's, like, alternative toilet paper during the coronavirus thing? And one of them is a guy just, like, with his pants down near an escalator rail. And then there's another one of... Oh, yes. Yeah, there's the guy that's, like, local car wash, and it's somebody with, like, a window squeegee, and he's just hanging his butt outside the passenger window. We live in a society, people. (laughs) Just like, do what my cat does and wipe on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got a towel. You can wash towels. Well done, biscuit. <laughs> so yes, uh, I have a bidet. We're ready. God, I, I, I wish I had. Because now, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the um, movie. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a it enjoyable. It, you know, uh, like I said, it's uh, it's not perfect, but it, it you know, it is my favorite because. Um, one of the things that, uh, like I said, I enjoy about this movie is is a bit of the Marxist critique of, of society here a little bit. You know, there there's a there's a lot of kind of social class dynamic going on in this, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think that the you know uh, in some ways you know we uh, you know we made fun of the talkiness of the characters, but it really does a fine job of of at least getting you an understanding of where these characters are and where they're coming from. I think even when I was giving the, giving the, you know, the sort of beat by beat here, uh, most of what I talked about was character moments, less about actiony sort of stuff. Yeah. So, 
uh, that's what this movie is about, and and to me that uh, this this film really draws a lot of those characters really well. You know, like I said, it, like the mechanical man is really the character. Like, you know, I I, I do feel for Johnny. Like, uh, you know, his struggle in this movie is something that as you get older, you know, you're like, oh shit, have I done the right thing? Particularly, um, I guess uh, maybe you guys have both been in this position where you're like, oh no, I'm settling down with, you know, I'm, I, it's fam, you know, like I have to start thinking about a family, this sort of stuff. Like, what about my rock and roll lifestyle? <laughs> you know, like, like, and this is... Never kid uh, myself on that. Well, well, you know, Cody, maybe you less so, but Josh, Josh understands about, about once a week I have this moment with him where I'm like, I think I'm being smothered by this. <laughs> you know, like, and... Uh, you know, the, this is a movie that really illustrates that. It's life doing that. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. And, you, yeah. and you feel it whenever you choose, and it's just life just smothers you more and more, and then one day you you, you succumb. Yeah, <laughs> I huh. uh, I definitely get no, that. No, no, like, no, no, no. We we gotta let Josh have that that moment of uh, existential dread. Um, <laughs> mark the time, kids. If you were if you were uh, if you were drinking the playing your I mean, your at home uh, drinking game. I mean, <laughs> we didn't start this with a discussion about. Yeah, you, that's true. <laughs> You're uh, we'll two for two. Animal cannibalism. We'll so. probably we'll probably end it with that too. <laughs> Sorry, Cody, you were saying. Oh, I was um, something. We're I don't know. Ribbing. Oh, being smothered. Oh, being smothered. <laughs> yeah, I definitely one hundred percent. Oh no! <laughs> That's funny. If it happens I tried, on a I tried podcast, to my little brother shortly after he was born. <laughs> if it happens on a podcast, does is it technically was I... a witness? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, that microphone. Is that a microphone or a mechanical man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cody. Made you, were of cogs sm- and <laughs> you were being smothered before you were literally being smothered. I, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, my anxiety flares up on a regular basis when things seem to be going too well for a while. Okay. Where I'm, That's always the, like, sure. oh my god, should I dye my hair? Should I get another tattoo? And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I, I am old enough and mature enough now and I know myself that I can tell when I'm being that way and when I'm being serious because a lot of the time before it would be me moving from part-time job to part-time job because it's like I can't you know deliver another fucking pizza or I'm gonna like go crazy uh but now it was funny because I started having a little bit of that and I was like oh you know I, I know what's happening. It's just because things are going fine and not, no big crisis has happened. And then the coronavirus stuff start, like really started happening. And I had a moment the other day where I was like, oh my God, did I, did I make it real? <laughs> was my fear the, the, the little killer? The catalyst, yeah. Uh, or I will tell you, I, I have horrible anxiety around succeeding and people recognizing it and being nice about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I sympathize. Yeah. So, uh, so, so to me, the Johnny character, <laughs> for all of his faults, you know, makes sense to me. More relatable you than know? the asshole cop who's like, "Fine, I guess I won't run away on my wife." <laughs> <laughs> Took my dad getting killed for it. I guess yeah. I'll go home. <laughs> I mean, the production code kind of dictated the ending there. So that was, actually, I did have one more question about it. It does, when you look on IMDb, right next to the year, it does say approved. Is that part of that? Yeah, Yeah, it's production code approved. Um, 
Yes. Uh, yeah, the, uh, and the production code had all kinds of draconian rules, like killers can't get away with it. You have to mm. make sure they, you know, fall down a well by the end of the movie or something. Or, you they know. eventually amended it, although I don't think they had by 51. No. So, is... Like so are there, more. is this just like, if you want your movie to be wide release, it has to follow these guidelines? Yeah. So there are, like, unapproved ones? There's, that's what exploitation, that's what, there's sort of two cycles of exploitation film. The two things that you're talking about when you're talking about exploitation film. And the first is non-code films for the most part. God, okay, non-code is, is the, like, what I, the, so, the closest thing that I have for, for my section of cultural zeitgeist is, like, UK video nasty. Yeah. Okay. So wide release would get you know, you know all the theaters you know just like you're used to, uh-huh. right? Uh, but Have then we go a video. Not what's that? Have we got a video? <laughs> uh, fifty six. Fifty six was when they rewrote it to allow miscegenation. <laughs> oh my god! Prostitution. It was, it was it was a big case over uh, Pinky. I think it was. It was a film about a, a woman who was passing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that in Texas there were all kinds of lawsuits to make that not happen. Jesus. <laughs> because they didn't like that. Yeah. Um, so so the code would have all these draconian sort of things like uh, it just like the Comics Code Authority if you if you uh, have any familiarity with yeah. that. It's the same. It it's they almost like carbon copied the rules. Uh, it's, okay. Uh, there's there's other stuff obviously in the comics code that applies to publishing and, no and things like and making sure that EC comics would yeah. never work out again. Yeah. The um, only difference is we're things specifically targeting EC comics, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, if you heard when I said that the other project I was working on was the pre-code movies, mm-hmm. uh, Josh mentioned uh, briefly. Uh, I, did you do that on the po- Did you do that on the pot, or was that in a car drive right where you were tell- talking to me about uh, what pre-code meant? Because I wasn't yeah. sure. I thought it meant before the code, which no, which the exactly. name would indicate. Mm. And Josh pointed out that it was before enforcement of the code. The like, code passed in thirty or thirty one, and then I think by thirty four was when they started being serious with enforcement. I think it was after Fed, the Fatty Arbuckle thing that, that was uh, after because there was a backlash against immoral Hollywood, and uh, they sort of leaned into the code to try and uh, do that. So, because going into the thirties, there was uh, I think the gangster film cycle. Yeah, and. Uh, that led to there's a lot of Catholic activism. That was the code was largely, and no offense to anybody's religious denomination, but it was largely powered by Catholics and the Legion of Decency types, mm-hmm. um, who were very upset by this gangster cycle that talked about newly arriving Italians and Irish people, primarily Catholics, uh, as criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, a Jesuit and a, a lay Catholic, uh, Daniel Lord and Martin Quigley. Uh, wrote up the production code, and in like 30 or 31, it was accepted by the MPPDA, I think it is, Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, which is a precursor to the current MPAA. But they didn't take it seriously at first. There had been other codes, like the don'ts and be carefuls and stuff like that, that the film industry had adopted before in America, and they just fucking ignored them, because who cared? Yeah. Uh, so pre-code cinema, <laughs> pre-code cinema actually has a lot of stuff that pushes boundaries of the code. Like I'm sure, or you can say from when you watch it, like yes. a lot of it doesn't. You can tell it doesn't follow the code in the slightest. Well, it's <laughs> so, it's so weird because I, I think the conversation that we had about it, I told you, like these pre-code movies, 
they feel a lot more realistic than things that come mm-hmm. later. Like, if you watch a pre-code movie, like, people have real conversations in them sometimes in a way that you guys were, like, making fun of the, like, ah, well, we talk like this. Yeah. Like, like that, that doesn't happen often in these pre-code movies. They, they feel, I don't know, they feel more contemporaneous in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's really weird to, like, you know, see this, like, 1930s dress with these, like, same sort of contemporary struggles hmm. that you're just like, I, I can't. <laughs> like, I, you know, like, my brain has a hard time processing some of the pre-code stuff. Part of that, too, was technological because sound had just come out in the, the late 20s. Yeah. Uh, so that, that movie diction was still developing, which was sort of based on... I don't know, sort of a modification of stage diction, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Um, That's what I was thinking. I was like, it, it feels it, it, like like play-righty type of yeah. thing. Yeah. So but like the I said, these, pre, being... these pre-code movies don't have a lot of that. Like, they... Yeah. That, well, that It's absent. It's, like I said, real conversations. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, because it was... Because previously, Dow had silent film stars. Yeah. So all of these movies... Like, Hollywood was populated by people who weren't didn't have a voice for it because yeah. they'd never had to before. Mm-hmm. Um, so people had a more, more natural speaking style, I think. And then as it started to move, I would I would think, as it started to move into more uh, sound technology became something that people were more used to, then you'd start to see more mannered things. Uh, Very. Because man, it's that's so this, interesting to think about. Oh, it's super. Like, these I movies are never so even interesting. thought about something like that. That's why I like film studies. Mm-hmm. There's always this arc with the emergence of technology with film where the early adopters are usually sort of outlaws and often kind of crude, but push boundaries in ways that people don't think to do later. Um, you have to, like, cycle back to it. Because it's disreputable. Mm. Like, people people talk about, for instance, how there's there were, oh, Jews control the media. Like, that's a, a stereotype that people have, right? Mm-hmm. Ignorant people, to be clear. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of Jewish people involved in the early film industry and media industry, not because they're controlling the world, but because it was disreputable work. And there were a lot of Jewish mm-hmm. immigrants to America around that time. Uh, Same with comic books. Fleeing pogroms in yeah. Eastern Europe that... The, People forget about the pogroms that predated World War II, but there were several of them in Eastern Europe and Russia. That's where the Protocols of the Zion came out of. So they fled to America, and like you had this generation of kids being raised up. Uh, the first generation were usually in the trades, like weaving and shit like that. But the kids would get involved with, uh, you know... The stuff that they couldn't take. If you like theater, yeah. you couldn't do, but you're a Jew, so you can't do stage theater in New York, so go right. work for Edison, right? Ah, uh, wow. That's wild. Well, and then and then a lot of times they would get their family members involved. They'd be like, yeah. "I have a job. Like, if you want to come to L.A., you want to come to this. You know, yeah, you can. I can get you some work." Yeah. And you know, people network with people that tend to be like them. It's it's, a, it's an unfortunate fact. Well, yeah. it's so like I. Hopefully I mean, society is breaking down some of those boundaries now. But yeah, because I've uh, obviously I'm familiar with the stereotype of like Jews around the media, and it's it's getting less and less. But I never even thought that there was like a a almost like one to one historical reason why people would even assume that in the first place. Yeah, but the thing is, what happened in because also another thing that happened in early film was that there were a lot of women that were directors, and there was a time in which the director of the top grossing film of all time was a woman named Lois Webb, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but it was only for a few years, but still. Um, but then as it became more reputable and became clear that it was making money and that it was an art form that, that was mattering, 
you started to get the professionalization. You started to get, in some degrees, you started to get unionization. And unionization isn't bad mm-hmm. as an idea, but it also, since it was usually bringing over from the stage unions, it brought over all the old boy networks. Mm. And that's that's when you started to see like less people being hired that were women or that were Jews. Or it's that, that were exactly what we talk about. The, the development of like, for instance, the, there was a counter black cinema that was occurring at the same time called the Chitlin Circuit. Oof. I didn't name it. No, but I know. Oscar but Oscar I mean... Michaud, for instance, who was, <laughs> I believe, from Kansas, uh, was a big filmmaker in it. He made a great film called uh, In These Gates, something like that, Inside These sounds... Gates. It's a great film. I watched it a couple times in grad school. That sounds vaguely familiar. But yeah. so it's a response to Birth of a Nation. It's about how prejudice works through generations and... It's just a fucking amazing movie. Just watch Inside These Gates. That's what it is. Watch, it, watch the movie. It's fucking it's great. Birth of the Nation, or Birth of a Nation? Birth of a Nation. Is uh, is the one that is like... Pr- that's the clan movie. It's okay. That's what I thought. It's That's one that they are like, you need to watch this movie so you can like know that this was something that happened back then. Not necessarily that it's a piece of art that you need to like hold on to. Uh, it was made by D.W. Griffith, and a lot of modern film vocabulary was established by D.W. Griffith. Although, in my opinion, uh, Inside These Gates does it better. But, uh, but yeah, people, people it, it's a film that people still talk about because it has relevance to the technical form. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an out-and-out racist film. Gotcha. Like, it, there's no... There's a scene where black people are, are given the vote and then they, like, swarm over the legislature and they're just, like, jumping on tables and eating chicken and half of them are in pe- white people in blackface. And Jesus. You, just, you can't watch that and not think, well, it's, okay, it got, this is some racist shit. Yeah, it got mentioned in our, like, history textbooks, but I wasn't, like, specifically a film major, so, uh, like, I never had, like, a, a class where we watched a, a thing like that, too, so. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I... It's pretty uh, boring. I haven't watched well, all of it, but it's, uh, it's fucking I, boring. When I've, 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 I've mentioned this in a previous universe, but uh, just to real quickly, my uh, my office when I was back at Bowling Green was under the Lillian Gish Theater, which Lillian Gish is the star of uh, the female star of Birth of a Nation. She's wow. the star of a lot of uh, a lot of Griffiths films, and so uh, so we had a lot of talks about Birth of a Nation at in that particular context. Yeah. Um, it, I suppose if you want to talk about it fairly, it's important to note that Griffith was raised in that southern, uh, lo- the lost cause narrative is what it was referred to as, where, mm. you know, the South were heroically trying to hang on to a way of life, and it wasn't necessarily about slavery, it was about, like, about doing things slower and more natural, and mm-hmm. that was interrupted by the by the horrible North, and the Klan were heroes trying to trying to keep the peace. Yeah, it uh, was a, a big narrative. As part of the process of reconciling North and South, that around the turn of the century was a big narrative in American culture, and where you started to see things like minstrel shows. Mm. Man, we're going far afield, aren't we? I don't know if it's how far it <laughs> is. It's just it, I haven't talked about this shit in a long time. Well, it's just interesting. To, I mean, for the sake of the movie, too. The way great. in which this movie ends is germane to the the code. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's how we got. There. That's how, yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's how it spread. And I, I sorry to be the little like. Well, what's this mean? Oh, I, no, I feel no. I, <laughs> to to a degree. No. I almost feel like the the cartoon bouncing ball. That's like uh, uh, well, just on. putting it don't in both I mean, of your corners. Don't feel sorry because I fucking love talking about shit. No. <laughs> also, yeah. also, me and Josh had uh, you know had have had code conversations 
on the old podcast, but I don't yeah. think we have had one since well, we started this over. So. Exactly. I mean, I was asking because I was like genuinely curious. Like all of it is a little, a little outside of the stuff that I'm used to. Because, like I said, if we yeah. start talking about like anime or animation techniques and things yeah. like that, I mean, fuck, I'll I'll run us, you know, three more hours on the Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know as much about this stuff specifically and like in the noir at least in the american history of the cinema stuff so that's all because like another i was thinking about it earlier when i started doing my deep dives on like the disney biographies and all the ones where it's like okay this is the one that paints him in like a good light but it still tells the facts this is the one that tells it just straight up facts and this stuff and it i remember the like revelation where it's like Walt did. There's this common joke that Walt Disney is anti-Semitic. He and was that, though. <laughs> he, he really wasn't anti-Semitic at all. And there's a lot of proof about that. But he was extremely uh, red scary. And wow. so it was during all of the like Disney protests and stuff like that that a employee who was fired due to a red scare related thing started spreading this, oh, it's because, you know, Jewish people also. Like, he hates communists, he hates women, he hates Jews. And Disney was like, I've been, like, Jewish people have been employed in my company since it's fucking started in Kansas City. So that was, like, it's always that little frustration where it's like every person repeating the fucking family guy, like, jokes and stuff just, like, grate into me a little bit where I'm like, you know... Technically, it's not like it's replacing anti-Semitic with a much better thing, but at least it wasn't like he didn't have just like a bland like hatred for a certain type of people. I guess he kind of did, but it was communists. But he he was very outspoken about hating communists. Uh, well, I think the fact that it was Red Scare would mix things up because there was a lot of co-mixture in conspiracy yeah. circles. One hundred percent. It was the Rosenbergs that went to the fucking chair. <laughs> yeah, there it's uh, there is a lot of really weird and interesting history on all of the like uh, the artists like union and the writers strikes and this was also right around the time when people he was still alive but people thought he was kind of selling out because they were doing the World War Two like pro- some of the propaganda stuff and like yeah. Donald Duck being an ofi- official like Navy like member. Everyone was doing that. Shit. Yeah. The Looney Tunes stuff is the real bad stuff. That's the crazy. Shit. At least, uh, at least Disney never had you know Mickey squaring off against like a, a literal uh, Sambo stereotype character. Because my grandparents Jeez. still had some of those VHS tapes that well, had the Bugs Bunny fighting the the uh, that the the but, oh god. But Disney, speaking of that, like Southern Reconstruction narrative, like. He, I think he was, he came out of that too, didn't he? His Song of oh, the South was very much emblematic. One hundred percent, and uh, all of Haunted Mansion, like the ride, which eventually spawns all of this other stuff too. Just in the zeitgeist of Disney, is like specifically his love of that architecture too. And I mean, it's not like he was a Southern person, obviously raised in like Kansas and Missouri, but uh, it's still this same sort of thing. This like fondness for big. Hillary white mansions in the middle of a fucking swamp. Yeah. I remember Trivia once there was a question about you know what, what Disney movie is a song uh, Zimity Duda from? I think that's the one from. That's the one from yeah, the Song of the South. Yeah, and I, I answered it correctly. And everyone was like, what's song? They looked at the people at the table were like, what's, what's Song of the South? And I was like, oh god. Uncle Remus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one Disney won't release. <laughs> yep. 
God, yeah, I mean, that's the other in- like thing that we could spend another 20 hours talking about is just specifically that movie and people saying, oh, this is an important part of history because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, the Uncle Remus character is still, like, a positive light and all this other blah, 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 blah stuff. And, you know, everybody's going to argue one way or the other, but there's still some pretty outwardly uh, winsible things in that movie, too. And I tend to think it's good for archival material that's problematic like that to be available to adults yeah. with context. Oh yeah. I don't I think when it's children's material you need to be more cautious. Yeah, I'm not oh god, yeah, no, I'm not saying like re release it and you know, yeah. show it in daycares oh, or no, family I'm not video. Anymore. I'm yeah. just giving my time. You walk into your uh, non existent blockbuster and it's just playing on the T V while you shop yeah. for movies. I think people make too simplistic of anti censorship arguments against that though, that are yeah. just like Oh, you shouldn't, you know, everything should be available to everyone. And I'm like, kids shouldn't watch porn, probably. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, probably don't, not good. Yeah, I, I don't think you should porn. censor the movie, <laughs> so, but I don't think that you should, like, not have it exactly what you said around <laughs> for an educational purpose for adults. It, with, with good historical context, like with yeah. teachers. Like it, I, would, I would love it if there was a, an edition clearly labeled for adults or something. Mm-hmm. It with like footage about, with documentaries about why it was made and what it reflected and what it shows us about America. Mm-hmm. Like, and, uh, I would be interested in that. Didn't the, didn't the, uh, the Bugs Bunny, uh, the Looney Tunes, gosh, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The Looney Tunes uh, Blu-ray sort of do a little bit of that. There's, yeah, there's they... like the Band 11 or Band 12 or something you're, like that. Yes, it's something like that, and you've seen the disclaimer that it's like, you know, we're showing these cartoons and they depict, you know, racist caricatures, and it's like, we obviously do not feel the same way at the time, like, at now, but at the time, like, everybody believed that this was fine, and we know that that is wrong, but it is also wrong to you know, censor it or, or pretend like we didn't do something like this. As a, in a cultural studies class that was sort of mixed mode and it had when I was in grad school and it had uh, some animation, a couple of dudes from animation were in it. And one of them gave a presentation on the, the, the censored 12 or whatever, 11 or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he showed one of them because you can find them, they're not like the yeah, idea that yeah. it's impossible Sometimes to find these on things. YouTube, is, I think, right? yeah. yeah, most of them are. I'm sure you can find. I'm sure you can find Song of the South on YouTube if you look hard enough. Well, maybe not YouTube because Disney is yeah. Litigious, but <laughs> you can find it somewhere. You can find I'm, the racist Bug Bunny ones I'm, for sure. I'm almost certain I saw Song of the South when I was a kid. I don't think it was banned back then, and I'm sure you can find bits of it enough to reconstruct it. Um, so he showed one of them, and he he was like, "These aren't," and kind of his argument was like, "These aren't that bad." Uh, and then he showed one that was like night out at the jazz club or something, and it was holy fuck. <laughs> it was it was just fucking sambo figures and shit, and I was just like, "Well, here's one I, mean, I don't play these, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I don't. I think this should be available for study. I don't think that outright banning them does good, but I I don't want to fuck kid watching this because it's, it says hurtful things. <laughs> And I don't think you should hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, I guess. Culture doesn't seem to think that anymore. So, uh, I got the impression that uh, you both didn't hate this movie. You just didn't yeah. love it, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was a fine example of a film noir. Uh, I just didn't... I thought, it, I thought it was odd that it was your, your fave. And it makes a little more sense than you've talked about it a bit. Yeah. Uh, 
You don't have to justify it. Well, I, I was just going to say... <laughs> I'm not going to justify my favorites ever. I, it's not the... I, this isn't innovative, and uh, I don't... You know, it's it's a comfortable place to sit, even though it, you know, it has a high, rela- high uh, degree of relatability. That's that's my that's my short take, and then the the Marxist stuff also, you know, feeds that uh, scratches that itch. Uh, you know, Clerks is my favorite movie of all time, and I'm not gonna pretend that it's perfect in any way. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's oh, something man. to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we're getting near the end now, but you you mentioned Clerks again, and you said it at the beginning of the show, and I f- totally forgot that I wanted to make the comparison of. Randall to Johnny being like, well, I guess I'll stop cheating on my girlfriend now. <laughs> Unless we do a sequel and I'll just do it again and I won't learn my lesson. <laughs> or not Randall. Dante. Um, Dante. Dante, yeah, my bad. <laughs> Randall's yeah. the one who everyone thinks is probably gay. <laughs> Randall is like the opposite of the uh, of the old cop uh, guardian angel character. <laughs> All the fan theories about Clerks are about how Randall is gay, by the way. Like, every <laughs> single one. That's where Chasing Amy really came from. Ian Smith can say all, all he wants about finding out that his girlfriend at the time had done, like, threesomes. But uh-huh. it's because it's all the people were saying Randall's into dudes. <laughs> Man. That's crazy. Yeah. For, for, for all of the talk that we had about... Uh, Song of the South and Disney and all that stuff, and uh, and we talk about the movie where. Oh no, I'm taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Clerks too. I think I think Orville oh, said something about shitting on Clerks too on one of these podcasts. I did. <laughs> I feel like you did. Clerks too. No, I love Clerks too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I miss my donkey. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the. The complicated one I have the relationship with is uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and the current Jay and Silent Bob movie. Those are the ones mm. I have complicated feelings about. <laughs> I mean, they're um, not... I do enjoy them in a in a well. Those you are cool. Those are cool, like twists in the Kevin Smith averse thing. But I don't. They're a bit uh, crasser or something. I don't know. Like I just yeah. You know what they are? Yeah, they're one of those like big crossover comic events things. Yeah. Where they have all this stuff together and it's just for fans. And, like, you enjoy it because you're a fan, but at the same time you feel a bit dirty. Yeah. Because you're like, I'm only laughing because I know that's his daughter and because I know that's the character from Mallrats and I know that guy is from Dogma. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's not a good movie by itself. It doesn't stand. That makes sense. It's... You know, you don't want to be jerked off by like you. You let a movie jerk you off, but like you, you, you don't. You don't. You want to feel a little bad about it. And, you, and then if you haven't seen all of those movies, it's like you're still getting jerked off, but there's just zero contacts. So it's like this is doing it's, nothing for me. It's like an involuntary too long jerk off, and it's just getting raw. <laughs> it's limp, and you're getting raw, and it's just like please stop. Watching the movies this is the lotion. This isn't for anyone. <laughs> like you know, like being two hours into a podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking not, of which, if not you want to, I think we were a little short. We're at, no, we're I, was, at, I was kidding. We're, 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 we're at just the right amount. Like, of... If you cut out all the shit we did talking about production couch stuff, this is probably an hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's great. And if you want a shorter <laughs> podcast, you can check out Girls Talk Comics. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do a shorter podcast. It's not a podcast about the band Girl Talk. 
<laughs> we're not there I will make yet. that joke. <laughs> I'll wear white as well be there. No, we have trash or treasure still. Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Yeah. And then we'll do the other thing. So, is it trash? Is it treasure? <laughs> Nobody was singing along with me. I had to let it go. Well, I was I was waiting for the stanza. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so, uh, trash or treasure is a, is a bit we do on the old... <laughs> Plus one, Josh. Uh, Trash or treasure is a uh, is a is a bit that we do on Further Ado, where uh, uh, one of us uh, it's me nowadays, but it used to be Josh looks up uh, looks up something valuable and something less valuable. You're trying to shame me? Related to no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I, I have fun doing this, and it's and I was the one who was sort of pushing for the bit, so it feels right that I should probably be the one who actually enacts it. Um, right. <laughs> so, um, so what we do is we look up the values of a rare thing and a less rare thing related to the thing we talked about today. So uh, I picked a couple of noir flicks uh, for our uh, pick this go around. Uh, one of them is called Man in the Dark, and the other one is called No Way Out. Uh, <laughs> um, I well. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> any, any more info on them? Or? Uh, it's just two movies. They're both noir flicks. Um, I, I, one of them I haven't seen, so I can't tell you what. It's, I can tell you what the other one's about. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, um, so what were the two again? Uh, uh, Man in the Dark, and the other one is titled No Way Out. No Way Out, Man in the Dark. What is the format that these movies are on, or is A that DVD. give it away? They're both DVD. Uh, okay. Uh, can we know the price points? Like both, like uh, one of them is in the uh, twelve dollar range, and one of them is more in the uh, two hundred dollar range. <sighs> See, that's what I was like. Maybe if it's a VHS or like a laser disc of something, I could understand. But like, I'm gonna say two hundred dollars. Men in the dark are always valuable. Men in the dark. For treasure for man in the dark. Trash for. No way out. No way out. I thought I'd seen it on a shelf anyway. Yeah, no way out as a title sounds more familiar to me than what is it? Men in the dark. Man in the dark. Man in the dark. Oh, that's less dubious. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna go with man in the dark then. Yeah, you both were right. Yeah, no. See, uh, Josh, you're actually really good at this. <laughs> uh, uh, no way out is Sydney Poitier's film debut. Ah, uh, that's where I heard from. Yes, uh, and it talks about race relations and uh, civil rights sort of stuff. You could have uh, just said it was a Sidney Poitier film. It, well, that didn't have Bill Cosby in it. Sure, um, and I've never, I've never seen <laughs> Man in the Dark, so Cosby. I don't, I don't know what it's about. But I don't think it gets much more noir title than Man in the Dark, which right. I was like, yes, I'm going. Uh, I, that's my, it's, that's my treasure. This show. <laughs> it's a noir or an erotic thriller. <laughs> yeah, right. One of those. Things. Uh, uh, so, uh, one thing this week, guys, which needs its own theme music, too. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Only one thing that didn't suck this week. Only one thing! <laughs> I'm sort of torn on mine. Okay, well, we'll You wait. guys go, and I'll... I'll do you have one thing this week, or do you want me to go? Uh, you go. Okay, uh, so, uh... Again, working my way through pre-code sort of things, uh, I... I I uh, moved my way into the Marx films this week, uh, the Marx Brothers films. <laughs> yes, uh, 
of which I... Um, I've heard of a cutting remark, but this is ridiculous. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so I watched uh, Horse Feathers, and I learned a new word from Horse Feathers. Uh, are you guys familiar with the movie Horse Feathers? I believe I watched it. Yeah, I am not, but... It's, it's Marx Brothers' film about uh, uh, this... Uh, um, Groucho becomes a professor at a college and has to recruit some football players so that the so that the college can win the championships. Blah 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 blah. I think I didn't watch that one. Yeah, um, uh, I thought there would be more critique about college life than there was in it. I was, <laughs> I, it's more it's more of a footballer movie, really. Um, but but it's a footballer movie as told by slapstick, like right. vaudevillian sort of slapstick. Works um, Brothers aren't very heavy on social commentary. Really. Hey, well, you know, I and there's a little but, like slobs versus snobs. But but, but I learned uh, I learned a new word, and that was college widow. Have you guys? Do you guys know what a college widow is? Dropout. Uh, that would be a, a woman whose boyfriend goes off to college in the fifties, wouldn't it? Close. Uh, uh, Marks. Uh, Marks were in the thirties. Marks 30s, Brothers were in sorry. the thirties. Yeah. Um, close. It's a woman who. Uh, went to college, graduated, and ends up stuck in the town, and then and becomes a woman for which uh, the men of the college sleep with. Ah. <laughs> so, so uh, this they class. Wow, what a fascinating well, like. <laughs> I, yeah, I, they they kept referring to this woman as a college widow in the movie, and I was like. I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" And so I, I googled it up, and it was like, it was like, "Oh, you know, it's a it's a uh, derogatory term from the 1930s, which basically means, oh, you know, a woman who lives near a college and go pray, sports, pray, yep, go birds, yep." So I learned that this week. So that's my one thing this week. <laughs> Sockdologizing old man trap, and is- I and I learned it from a Marx Brothers film of all damn things. That's so funny. That's crazy. Um, let's see, what, what blew me away this week? How Mm. about, uh, did you, uh, did you, uh, read any good comic books? Because didn't we have, uh, Decorum this week? Oh, yeah, boy, uh, that did come out this week. Fuck yeah, I didn't read it this week, I read it when they sent us the, yeah, they, uh, It would have been accessible to them this week, though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Accessible to you, the listeners, now. Uh, is the first issue of Decorum, which is a new image uh, comic series, 12 issues, written by uh, Jonathan Hickman, who has a lot of buzz. Uh, He just recently sort of rebooted the X-Men series for Marvel Comics, uh, I would say very successfully, at least for the House of X, Powers of X. anyway. And has done a lot of other stuff, very prolific writer. And Mike Huddleston who um, hasn't done a whole lot of he, he interiors. <laughs> That's bit. funny. That's very good. But you, plus one for that. That's funny. Yeah. Hooked on phonics. Um, but Huddleston has a very uh, like abstract, mixed-media style uh, of art. Uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, Sean Murphy, who does The Curse of the White Knight, and uh, Tokyo it should, Ghost. It should also remind you of Phil Hester a little bit. The end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the White Knight averse. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fantastic. I love you see it. Your Doug Ten Apple. No, oh my God. No, we don't. <laughs> Fuck that guy. 
Um, you made one good thing ever, and it was probably better because of the game designers. Right. Or the TV show the animators, or God, any number <laughs> of things. Other people made your shit good. Um, What's Decorum about? Decorum is... I was trying to get there, but yep. then we were shitting on Doug Tenaple, and I was... Never I too much shitting that. on Doug Tenaple. He's a dickhead. Um, <laughs> Decorum <laughs> is about the most well-mannered assassin in all of history. So it is a... It is a Great sci-fi romp with a uh, mixed media style. I tell people if you are fans of things like Dune or Kingsman the Secret Service or Fifth Element, which I know is sort of blasphemous to talk about Fifth Element and Dune in the same thing because those people sometimes don't like each other. Uh, but it's it's really cool. I like that a lot. For sure. And now you can buy it, or at least the first issue. So go do that. We sold a lot of that. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Uh, my debate is over whether to do something that's somewhat better known or something lesser known but not quite as good. I think I'm going to have to go with the lesser known but not quite as good to be a hipster about it. Uh, you? No. Yeah, I know. I watched a movie called Ghastlies. Uh, Ghastlies. It's by this independent studio that they also have another film out called Call Girl of Cthulhu that I've been meaning to get a copy of. Um, <laughs> also sounds like you I, on brand like me. so far yeah. go on uh, <laughs> Gassies is a tribute to the like little monster horror movies uh, like Critters and Gremlins <laughs> Ghoulies, and Munchies oh my god and Ghoulies and all of that shit Munchies um, it's made on a very low budget and the, the show <laughs> huh. is very low budget interesting like the creatures don't really have much animation or anything and the effects aren't good at all uh, but there's some surprisingly good performances, and it's fun, and it's a nice throwback thing, and, you know, support small horror artists. Yeah. This looks funny. Because it's, it's, a, it's a fun little flick. <laughs> I'm loving these ghastlies. The design on them is really good. <laughs> they look like a, a cross between, if uh, if you ask somebody who's never like seen... Like a claymation gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's never seen Pokemon, and then the guy who did the dinosaurs for Caveman, like, somehow yeah. got together. Oh, oh that's man. That's great. That's fun, Josh. It is. It's a fun one. How, how in the heck would you come across that movie? Um, Amazon recommends it to me. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the algorithm's <laughs> on to you. <laughs> the advantage of the Monopoly is at this point, Amazon is fairly good at tossing me shit that I might be interested in buying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had enough of that? Let me show, shall we blow it out? Yep. So, uh, you know... Oh, sorry, I yeah, thought you meant something yeah, else. No, don't don't blow it out your ass. Um, too, so, late, uh, too late, I already blew the O-ring out. That's true. Been Just there. like the Challenger. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Did they have a blown O-ring? It was one of those that, yeah, no, you're right. No, it's a, it's a, not only did you tell a Challenger joke there, you also... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it was layers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, hmm... <laughs> you have to follow that up. Yep, I do. I I'm just trying to figure out the uh, the appropriate time to let you stew in what you've done. Um, so I mean, with the O-ring blown, there's going to be a lot of stewing. There it is, and he knocked it home. <laughs> All right, uh, you can find more um, podcasts um, describing this grossness um, if you want. <laughs> at that podcast uh, productions.fireside.fm hey you can email us uh, you know if you want to tell us what you think we don't have any viewer mail this week uh, but uh, we look forward to that stuff 
so send that to that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Facebook. That podcast stays up all night slumber party. Uh, there, there, uh, our Facebook guy will generally share what's going on with the uh, with the show any given week. Um, <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would. Be. It is nice. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's also an Instagram and a Twitter of which uh, you know those two social media dorks are no good at their job. Yep. <laughs> the end. Two fucking deadbeats right there. <laughs> yep. I don't know who do who hires these guys. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a union gig. That's that could be it. Their heart's not. I mean, they do good work, but their heart's not in it. I'm I'm betting you're uh, you can look forward to some bonus shows, given that we're all going to be locked in our houses in the next few weeks. Um, I, have, I have at least one idea to pitch once we're off air. Sure, <laughs> I'm willing to listen. Uh, but um, what's coming up, Josh? Coming up next, we will have another That Podcast Stays Up All Night, the only podcast with the... Uh, Cajones? Uh, with the pom-poms. There it is. <laughs> oh, that's a, the show we're doing. Again. That's the episode we're doing, huh? With, with the pom-poms to take on the films of USA Up All Night. Uh, we're getting devilly with it with uh, Satan's Cheerleaders, Woo-hoo! which arguably fulfills its title. <laughs> that... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, arguably. <laughs> it's not even really defined. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But it seems like it probably fulfills its title. I don't feel to- totally ripped off by it. It's our first uh, It's our foot, first foot into the world of Graydon Clark, who made a lot of Mystery Science Theater movies. Uh, nice. Mo- you made Girl movies which were boots. featured on Mystery Science Theater, not... Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, obvious to me, but I guess yeah. we have viewers yeah. as well. He made Angel's Revenge, and I think he made Girl with the Gold Boots. Girl which is with a favorite the Gold of mine. Boots, yes. I love Girl with the Gold Boots. It's I, a, yeah, I, re- it's I, re- I recall us having many conversations about that when we did that Mystery Science Theater paper. That fucking song that they have in that, in that one. Whew. Uh, anyway, uh, so that'll be fun. And then we have uh, a fifth Monday, a month with a fifth Monday. Oh. Uh, mutant month. Uh, a dead month, a bug month, a chud um, month. I was trying to do uh, yeah. Starship Troopers at the end there, but I don't think I landed it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I see it now. <laughs> an ugly planet, a bug planet. <laughs> um, so, one thing we've talked about doing is movies that should have been on USA Up All Night, like yep. on the format mm. of the podcast stays up all night. So ghoulies. Uh, and I found a movie oh. that I think really would have been great for it. It's yeah. a Bikini Bloodbath Shakespeare. Which, what this is, is a movie called Bikini Bloodbath, uh, which then some people, possibly the original cast and crew, uh, redubbed with... I'm not sure if they're actually just Shakespeare-like lines or if all of them are lines from Shakespeare. Well, Uh, either way. It's poorly shot. It makes very little sense. There's far fewer boobs than you'd expect. uh, It'll be a fucking fun-ass time, I think. (laughs) We'll have a good time with it. So yeah, oh well, that's great uh, that that's coming up. Uh, what's what's our next comic book read? Jeez, going I'm sorry. The future. I, uh, our next comic what? book read is Freshman and Cryptozoic Man, as we do comics made by people that were on TV that maybe or maybe shouldn't have stayed on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, 
I forgot we were doing Cryptozoic, man. I got a copy of it so I can circulate. Oh, boy. We might have to procure Freshman. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I have a copy of Freshman, too. Oh, good. And if, and if you want one, I'm sure you can find them in a dollar bin of everywhere. It <laughs> was, gonna, uh, should, should keep your review to yourself for now. You don't want to... Hey, look, TP is short it's right now. People review. need to know. You don't, you it's don't not want even to... my review. I think it's an okay comic. Not you great, don't... but okay. <laughs> I haven't really Here's my it, review. <laughs> you don't want to give a... You don't want to give away the gold yet. Uh, just I'm just saying that it was overproduced because it was Top Cow, and they, for some reason, thought it was going to be a big thing. Cody they did a sequel run on it. Cody, talk to me about our logo for a minute. Our logo was done by Abby. Hey, Abby is back in the States. Oh, thank God. Yep. Yeah. I was Ugh. concerned. This is an insane, weird thing. She was um, a world traveler, and we were concerned about her. <laughs> Uh, literally, quarant- like part of a quarantine in Italy, uh, she got an au pair job. You maybe want to. Oh, I mean, the exact place that she was. Oh no, au pairing at. No, I have no idea I where w- that would be. I want to do the bit from uh, from fucking the league about au pair, but I feel like that would be rude <laughs> to somebody who actually listens to our podcast. Well, uh, <laughs> either way, she uh, she designed our logo and did a great job, uh, and she is open for commissions. Uh, I'm sure, definitely, right now while there's a lot of extra free time. Uh, you can contact her through her Instagram at Rosari Art. Uh, that's R O Z A R I A R T. All one word on Instagram. You can commission. You can see our logo as well as some of the other stuff that she's drawn. Girls Talk Comics, Josh. Girls Talk Comics is not about the band Girl Talk. Yes, I'll make <laughs> the joke twice. <laughs> it is about our good friends Jessica and Aaron. Girl Erin, uh, talking about comic books. It's a shorter, like, 10-minute podcast. Uh, it's really cool. You guys should check it out. Girls Talk Comics at Fireside.fm. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else, gentlemen, I think that signs us off for uh, uh, for this uh, no off uh, uh episode of the uh, that part. Uh, no, of, of further ado. <laughs> You want me to take a stab? Should we all? We should all take a stab at it. But I want to hear Josh's next. Yeah, you want to hear mine? Yeah, that just about does it for us here on uh, that podcast. Stays up all night. Except it's not that podcast. It's further ado. (laughs) (laughs) How how did we both screw it up? (laughs) Because it's so. It's yeah. That diction only works with script. Yeah, it really. If I have a thing, I can I can read. Like I'll read the back of Bikini Bloodbath Shakespeare in it. Oh sure. Here's the, the review from Film Threat. Watching Debbie Rochon play a perverted lesbian volleyball coach is we're up. Beach Bikini Bloodbath is just pure brainless fun. <laughs> See, you can do it when it's just when you have something to read. You know what? That is Maintaining true. Maintaining that pace and thinking of things that people say. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go to Twitter and look at whatever the most trending Corona related thing is. Nice. Yes. And, uh, I'm gonna do that. All right. <clears throat> Coronavirus. Death toll rises in Italy. The total number of global cases has surpassed 1,500,000, including more than 5,700 fatalities. (laughs) Very dire, but... (laughs) That was like a newsreel and not a good one. (laughs) That was like, Dateline, the Kaiser is kicking our boys' asses. (laughs) (laughs) We're all gonna die! Let me just say, so and it won't be over. As you guys well know, I listen like in my car. I often listen to old time radio, like the, like they call I, it NPR. No, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, or a bike, or a CDs. No, 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 no. I download them from the internet. I'm sorry, you don't, you've, um, bought, you've bought a few CDs. I've seen I, them. 
I, I have a, a CD or two, yeah. Of like Fibber, like Fibber McGee and Molly and yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Which, yeah, no. I'd, which I'd seen on the show News Radio and did not think was a real thing until I fucking saw you had a set of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I, okay, like, I listen to this stuff. But one of the interesting things about listening to this stuff is is uh, the uh, the time capsule element of it. So you know it's it's fun that we're having fun with you know the, the virus this week because it could create a fun future time capsule for you know somebody who you know I mean it it'll suck because it'll date us like you know if you have, if we ever have to do a commemorative show after Cody dies and you know we uh, you know right. like and we're forced to eat him yeah <laughs> and the and the elevator that that you picked a poop corner in weirdly right, Josh. Right off the bat. I'm sorry, Cody, but me and Aura have our whole lives in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> but it creates a fun little time capsule, you know, in, the, in that way that, that like, I, I find fascinating to listen to when you hear the, the news talky voice occasionally come on, like, as a, as a break into the show to be like, you know, uh, like, um, one of the things I learned from this time capsule... Uh, there was a, uh, a a a bacon grease sh- or there was a uh, fat shortage for a while in uh, in the 1940s and they were encouraging people to like save their bacon grease and their beef grease and take it back to the butcher for recycling purposes that like I had no idea any of that went on <laughs> until it was this like weird little news break in like uh, on the uh, on on one of the old time radio shows I was listening to, and so I had to like. Uh, there was um, another interesting thing that I learned. Uh, there used to be coal that burned blue. I forgot uh, what chemical element it was that they used to infuse into coal. But this one company's deal was they would sell this coal that would burn blue for people, uh, which totally <laughs> sounds safe to us now. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I was just you know, thinking. That's what I love in my just, coal, more chemicals. Yeah, it, but but this was their gimmick, was they sold this blue, like, blue-burning coal. It's probably uranium. And I had to, uh, it's, it's some, I, Graphite I, burning. I should say I looked it up at the time. It's It was some sort of inert thing. Uh, yeah, but no. <laughs> Remember, kids, always buy now. blue, cool, burning coal, yeah. and Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. <laughs> oh, and oh, old cigarettes, like old cigarette companies are great, too. Like, they're, like where they talk about, like, the safety of smoking cigarettes and have, things like that. Have either of you now seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I'm not yet. Not yet. At, at the very end, Leonardo mm. DiCaprio has, not not like related to. It's like okay. a post credit gag thing, okay. but it's it's Leonardo DiCaprio doing a cigarette commercial for the Red Apple cigarettes that are nice. in all the Tarantino movies, and like he does the full bit, and it has all of that stuff. And he, we used to joke about it all the time because we'd be like, his line is something like, "Smooth taste, less throat burn," and then like unfiltered <laughs> cigarettes. Nice. So. So yeah, uh, uh, the the coronavirus stuff is going to be a fun time capsule. Is was my point. <laughs> my favorite old adjective for old gold. Old gold. Old gold. Rolled 
Old gold. OMG. Oh, the cigarettes, mm-hmm. not those, the not the pretzels. Those were the first. Those were the first cigarettes I ever bought for myself. Way way back when I smoked. Wait, <laughs> you, your first smoke was an old gold. I don't think my first one was. My first was a Marlboro oh, that I bummed oh, off somebody. Okay. And the first time I went to buy cigarettes, there was a big vat of old gold did, that were two for one. I was and just about to. Ask. I am very cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and I always did, have been cheap. Did that's why by the time I quit smoking, I was rolling my own cigarettes. <laughs> but I bought like. Two packs for a dollar of fucking old gold for the first time. Could you imagine the insufferability of having to deal with like rolling his own smokes, Josh? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, film school and he rolls his own cigarettes. Dreamboat. I wasn't sure about it. Yeah, (laughs) ladies. (laughs) Tip my trilby. When you bought these old golds, did the did the clerk look at you, look at the thing, and be like, are you 90 years old? <laughs> like, I don't think the clerk looked at me. This was back in an era where things were a little different. Yeah, sure enough, sure enough. Because I remember. <laughs> I think you looked at the dollar I put on the counter. Yeah, no, I, I remember when I used to sell smokes to people. Um, <laughs> Do you need some in, Virginia Slims for your a, lady friend? In fairness, and I think Aura, who has known yeah. me for about a decade now, can confirm this. I've always just kind of looked like this. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> I was whenever I went to I would go to forensic events when I was in high school and people would always when I come in be like oh are you our judge and I'd be like, <laughs> I'm eighteen I'm seventeen <laughs> I, mean, I was seventeen actually because I was yeah. a senior I was like I'm I'm probably younger than most of you gosh you did the ten year challenge and it was <laughs> you know I I did the ten year challenge and I looked near identical too so I'm a little grayer now yeah. <laughs> that's gosh. me I've almost finished going gray at this point yay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, mind, I don't mind well, the hair. Enjoy your beard. thick mane, asshole. I don't mind the hair. It's the beard. The beard makes me look a little homeless. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the gray beard. Yeah. yeah you You can either you can either go homeless or like D and D guy who will probably try and touch you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't. I don't like those looks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like them much. I it's need okay. To dye the beard. Uh, according to the internet, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons like isn't happening for two more weeks anyway. So. Why not? They, the the thing, the the virus. Oh, people psh. people afraid. I I just saw a bunch of people the other night that are doing it all through like that's the easiest one to do on Skype. Yeah, well, there's special programs and shit that you can use for that shit. Yeah, like tabletop. Ironically, programs. I did have an in person D and D session last night. <laughs> I know. I I told Haley like I was like that's why I'm doing this other thing for the other job because I was like I have too much guilt about the fun that we had last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we yeah, are yes. we are now at our uh, our usual two hour limit. <laughs> yeah, it's about. <laughs> Seeing that an hour ago we finished with the fucking subject matter. Yeah, okay. Have, have fun figuring out what you want to cut from this, Cody. None of it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Two hours to listen. Just slap on the bumpers. <laughs> Goodbye. Smoke Winston. <laughs>